My name is Padraig Tuma, and the longer that I've written poetry and read poetry, I realise that poetry is asking me to be brave, to go into the moments of my own failure and to narrate those not as projects of self-hatred but as projects of observation in the possibility that I might be able to offer some kind of compassion in the space of a poem to the self that's writing as well as from that begin to offer compassion in the wider world. Phase one by Dilruba Ahmed For leaving the fridge open last night, I forgive you. For conjuring white curtains instead of living your life. For the seedlings that wilt now in tiny pots, I forgive you. For saying no first, but yes as an afterthought. I forgive you for hideous visions after childbirth brought on by loss of sleep. And when the baby woke repeatedly for your silent rebuke in the dark, what's your beef? I forgive you for letting vines overtake the garden, for fearing your own propensity to love, for losing again your bag en route from San Francisco, for the equally heedless drive back on the caffeine-fueled return. I forgive you for leaving windows open in rain and soaking library books again for putting forth only revisions of yourself with punctuation worked over instead of the disordered truth, I forgive you. For singing mostly when the shower drowns your voice, for so admiring the drummer you failed to hear the drum, in forgotten tin cans may forgiveness gather, pooling in gutters, gushing from pipes, a great steady rain of olives from branches, relieved of cruelty and petty meanness. With it, a flurry of wings, thirteen grey pigeons, ointment reserved for healers and prophets. I forgive you, I forgive you. For feeling awkward and nervous without reason for bearing Keats's empty vessel with such calm you worried you had perhaps no moral centre at all, for treating your mother with contempt when she deserved compassion. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. For growing a capacity for love that is great but matched only perhaps by your loneliness. For being unable to forgive yourself first so you could then forgive others and at last find a way to become the love that you want in this world. One of the questions that you always ask when you read a poem is, who's the speaker in the poem? Now, the speaking voice of the poem isn't always the poet. Sometimes they take on a persona or they adopt an all-knowing point of view, speaking to themselves in the past from the vantage point of the present or the future even. And the first time I read this poem, I thought, who is the speaker? They sound like a total dick. And then it became clear to me as the poem went on that the speaker in the poem had such intimate knowledge of the person they were speaking to that it could only be a person speaking to themselves because they know so much. And then I thought, oh, they don't sound horrible. They sound um, intimately aware of the things that we hold against ourselves. 
And that's what I think this poem is about in many ways. The things we hold against ourselves that prevent us from being loving in the moment because we're so caught up perhaps in the stories of failure. Some of them deserved and some of them not deserved. The stories of failure that we hold against ourselves from our past or from the ideal version of ourselves that we think we should be. person seems to be tired a lot, seems to be in a rush. They're exhausted from parenting. They forget things. They are concerned about how they're perceived and they are trying to appear perfect and they're giving themselves forgiveness for all of those things and treating their mother poorly. And they're filled with capacities for love and loneliness. All of these things in this poem seem to be deserving of forgiveness. The really interesting thing in this poem is that the word forgive occurs 13 times And then that phrase, I forgive you, occurs six times. The first time it appears just as a single sentence, it it occurs just by itself. Those three words, I forgive you. And then the next time it appears, it occurs twice. I forgive you, I forgive you. And then the final time it appears, it's three times. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. It's like this poem is trying to learn a mantra to say to itself. And in the hope that a life can learn a mantra to say to itself, knowing that saying it once isn't enough. And also that forgiveness is something that we return to over and over again, even self-forgiveness, that it needs to be a mantra. It needs to be a, a thing we say to ourselves in order to get out of our way, in order to be able to love. And that's the really interesting part of the final part of this poem is that it says uh, to forgive yourself first so you could then forgive others and at last find a way to become the love that you want in this world. This poem is saying that self-forgiveness isn't the end. Self-forgiveness is the beginning in order to be able to love. And that makes you think of the title then, Phase One. This is just the first step in the project of being human and in the project of being human at this age, whatever age the speaker of the poem is. I love that Dilruba Ahmed has done this in such a way to say that Self-forgiveness comes early so that all these other things can come after that, so that you can be present to your life without holding the life that you never had against yourself in such a way that you might never live the life that you have. I think sometimes there can be a a concern that um, a focus on self-forgiveness is somehow selfish. But the focus on self-forgiveness is, in a certain sense, trying to remove yourself from being always the centre of the drama of the public life you're living. And what this poem is saying, and what I think self-forgiveness does, is to recognise that if we are holding enormous things against ourselves, it can be very difficult to be present and loving in those moments. If you are spending so much of your energy putting yourself at the centre of your story and hating yourself, it can be very difficult to be present with other people because we do tend to give to others what we've given to ourselves. And if we're constantly sharpening an iron against ourselves, well, then we might be using that same iron against the people that we meet, whether those are small encounters on the bus or encounters with a partner or children or somebody else that we live with or see regularly. 
And so I think starting with yourself in this moment might be the beginning of having a place of practice where you can start then with others. And those things are reciprocal. You can give to others what can be difficult to give to yourself. But sometimes when you give something to yourself, it can make it easier to give to others as well. You can begin to imagine being compassionate to them because you've had to do the hard work of being compassionate to yourself. I led a project that looked at forgiveness and I must have read hundreds of definitions of forgiveness but the one I keep on coming back to is holding something against someone that someone might be yourself and to hold something against someone requires energy they mightn't even know it like if I've been angry at somebody they mightn't know that most mornings you know while I'm having a cup of tea I rehearse that argument I wish that I'd had with them and that final declarative tour de force of a comeback that I wished I'd given. I might be stoking the fire of anger for a week or a month or a year and I'm holding something against them. They mightn't even know it, but I'm spending a lot of energy with that up against them. And that is deepening the pain. And I think it is giving a lot of attention somewhere where I would hope perhaps we could give attention creatively. There's all kinds of reasons why we get caught in anger. Anger is a magnificent and important defence. And if forgiveness is ever to happen, there needs to be a level of safety. And sometimes anger is a reminder to ourselves that safety hasn't been achieved yet. So anger is the protection. And anger has a deep intelligence in that moment. But the intuition of this poem is that the forgiveness that Deruba Ahmed is offering to herself is a forgiveness that's freeing, that's opening her up to being present to other people in love. I think this is a very, very humble poem. And I think it can be very difficult for somebody to say, let me make a list of the things that I think I should forgive myself for. Because if you haven't forgiven yourself for something, the likelihood is is that you think you don't deserve forgiveness for something. So maybe the invitation of this poem is to make a list of the things that you hold against yourself. And I think about the times that I have held things against myself, times when I've disappointed people. And then certainly when I had um, responsibility, not being able to live up to the idea of myself about who I'd be when I had responsibility. Um, Times when I've hurt a partner, hurt family and friends. Those are the kinds of things that I think I don't deserve forgiveness. So I don't even want to make a list of the things I should forgive myself for because I don't think I deserve to make that list. But these are certainly the things I hold against myself and I hold them over me. And what might it mean for me to repeat I forgive you in increasing repetitions about This poem stops at three repetitions. Maybe I need 50. Um, But it invites us, I think, to consider those things, especially when we don't think we deserve them. Phase One by Dilruba Ahmed For leaving the fridge open last night, I forgive you. For conjuring white curtains instead of living your life. 
For the seedlings that wilt now in tiny pots, I forgive you. For saying no first, but yes as an afterthought. I forgive you for hideous visions after childbirth brought on by loss of sleep. And when the baby woke repeatedly for your silent rebuke in the dark. What's your beef? I forgive you for letting vines overtake the garden for fearing your own propensity to love, for losing again your bag en route from San Francisco, for the equally heedless drive back on the caffeine-fueled return. I forgive you for leaving windows open in rain and soaking library books again, for putting forth only revisions of yourself with punctuation worked over instead of the disordered truth. I forgive you for singing mostly when the shower drowns your voice, for so admiring the drummer you failed to hear the drum, in forgotten tin cans may forgiveness gather, pooling in gutters, gushing from pipes, a great steady rain of olives from branches, relieved of cruelty and petty meanness, with it a flurry of wings, thirteen grey pigeons, ointment reserved for healers and prophets. I forgive you, I forgive you. For feeling awkward and nervous without reason. For bearing Keats's empty vessel with such calm you worried you had perhaps no moral centre at all. For treating your mother with contempt when she deserved compassion. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you for growing a capacity for love that is great, but matched only, perhaps, by your loneliness, for being unable to forgive yourself first so you could then forgive others and at last find a way to become the love that you want in this world. One comes from Doruba Ahmed's Bring Now the Angels. Thank you to the University of Pittsburgh Press, who gave us permission to use Doruba's poem. You can find a link to the poem in our show notes, along with Padraig's guiding question for this episode. Poetry Unbound is... Chris Hegel, Aaron Kalasako, Siri Grassley, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Vo, Christiane Wartell, Gotham Shrikishan, Karen Navar Wiki, Karen Towie, Suarisa, and me, Lily Percy. Our music is composed and provided by Gotham Shrikishan and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. We also produce other podcasts you might enjoy, like On Being with Krista Tippett, Becoming Wise, and This Movie Changed Me. Find those wherever you like to listen. And if you want even more Podrick and poetry in your life, visit us at onbeing.org, 
where we've recently launched an entirely new way to experience poetry. Listen, watch, or read hundreds of poems from our collection. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.